Welcome to episode 52 of the Horror Dads podcast. You're joined by your hosts, John and Jamie. We have a very exciting episode today. We interview a super talented dude who is involved in illustration in children's books, which is super fun. Right, Jamie? Oh, yeah. Lots of fun. Uh, Great topic. Great uh, film conversations. Yeah, so we dive into horror films that are based off of children's stories, basically. So... We interview Alex Lavasseur, and he picked his top three films in that genre, uh, or subgenre, rather. And uh, we do an interview with him and had a great conversation. But before we do that, we're going to jump into our standard stuff. So, Jamie, what have you been watching? So, the post-Halloween sads. The depression? Yeah, we always get like, yeah. uh, what should I watch now? I jumped right to directly next day. I went right to X-Files. Uh, picked oh, up where dude, I left off, season yeah. four. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. And then uh, a great gap or bridge between uh, Halloween and Christmas for me with the kids especially is always Harry Potter. So uh, busted out the Blu-ray set that I have. We've been running through those. Yeah. We had that going all day yesterday or Thursday. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. perfect for this time. And then uh, finally I watched this Hulu original they do like this series of horror films called like Into the Dark or something. I watch this movie called Pilgrim, uh, which is fitting for the Halloween or for the Thanksgiving season. I think I mentioned this to you that yeah, the lesson I, the lesson I learned from this was don't watch Hulu originals. Um, All right, so not good. It was fine, I guess. It's essentially about uh, this family that uh, the stepmom like wants to bring the family closer together, so she hires this this uh, like these. Pilgrim reenactors. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> but it turns out they take their job a little too serious, and uh, they start wanting to kill. So, oh yeah, no, ma'am, we skin our turkey with uh, our hunting bows. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I will say about it is it's well acted. There's good actors. Man. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. So I watched uh, the Deep House. Um, so I checked that one out. That's uh that's a good one, man. I, I think fell it's... asleep. I started it and then Yeah. Um that's like a haunted house film just underwater. So it's it's good. Uh I enjoyed it. I watched it this week. Uh we had some family in town and my other brother in law, Michael, was here. So he and I watched it uh not last night, the night before. So Thanksgiving night. Uh so we enjoyed that a lot. And I thought that was fun. Um but I also checked out Blood Rage. Uh, which is a Thanksgiving oh, yeah. sort of must. Yep. And I had uh, Thanksgiving on this week too, so just kind of doing the thing. You know, I actually did not watch Thanksgiving. Um, just Blood Rage for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, Blood Rage is a weird one because it takes place in Florida on like yeah, the. <laughs> the thing is, is you don't feel that <laughs> you don't get Thanksgiving feels from it really. The only thing Thanksgiving about that movie is the dinner they have. So. Yeah, the mom eating the corn and stuffing out of the fucking fridge. Spread eagle. Yeah. Ugh, ridiculous. Ugh. Um, Ugh. Uh, what have you been buying, man? I actually just picked up this 8-inch uh, plush, like little Michael Myers thing for my youngest son. Yeah? Uh, so, yeah, it's like him with his, he's holding a pumpkin, and then he's got his knife. Uh, but it's all plush. Uh, I got it from this website called kidrobot.com, which has a lot of cool shit on there. It's all plush little stuff. Um, If you go to the funny 
section, P-H-U-N-N-Y. That's where you'll run into, like, the different uh, horror characters. Yeah, like, you know, they have Chucky and shit like that. Um, How about you? I went uh, last week to Days of the Dead Chicago, um, the horror convention. Yeah. And I got to meet up with Matt Pepler, which was super cool. We've talked to him a million times, and that's the first I actually got to meet him in person. Uh, So he had a booth there, actually, he was exhibiting. Um, So I helped him sort of man his booth and got to walk around and check out all the horror sites. Uh, Our neighbor booth um, was a a guy named Brian Brain Studios. Uh, So he had super awesome stuff. Um, Picked up a shirt from him, which I actually wore this Thursday at Thanksgiving dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, Like short sleeve button up with cats and ghosts and all this Halloween stuff on it. So uh, he had some great stuff. Awesome. Um, Yeah, it's very Halloween-y. But I also got an opportunity to meet Adrian King and Amy Steele and get some autographs from them. Uh, So they were incredibly, incredibly kind, uh, particularly Adrian King. Um, I spent a really long time talking to her, and she was just uh, a true, true treat to, to talk to. I went into the scenario saying, like, the idea of paying for an autograph is absurd. I'm not fucking doing this. Yeah. And then I literally was like, I'll give you a thousand. Two thousand? Nine thousand? What do you want for for an autograph? So you got caught in the moment. Yeah, I did. And it was great. And yeah. everyone was awesome. So cool. That's what I've been spending my pennies on. Excellent. Uh there's been a lot of um so wait, did you hit up any Black Friday sales? I yeah. did not personally. And you know what I did? I procrastinated and by the time I this was for all sites. By the time I went to them, like the the items that I wanted were already gone. Yeah, in your size. <laughs> Yeah, like I wanted yeah. the um, graveyard goods had the um, uh, the Lost Boys. They had like a little Lost oh, nice. Boys collection yeah, yeah, yeah. come out, and the the variant that I wanted was gone. So that sucked. Yeah, and I know uh, the guys over at Toxic Coffin have a good sale going on too. Um, I think by the time this releases, it might be over. Uh, but head over that way and check them out because they've got a lot of great stuff for going. sure. And then uh, while we're on this topic, I kind of wanted to start also discussing uh, maybe some stuff that we want to buy or stuff that's going to be coming out soon that we're probably going to buy. One of those things is uh, Krampus, the Naughty Cut. Comes out December 7th on Blu-ray through Scream Factory. Uh, That's going to be essentially a tons tons of bonus content. Uh, But the the main reason for this release is that they're going to have scenes and language that was cut to make this movie PG-13 is going to be in uh, oh, okay. the naughty cut. So essentially rated R version of the movie. Uh, and that's going to be on 4K and Blu-ray, like the combo. So looking forward to that. And then uh, there's these NECA uh, clothed action figures, Bride of Chucky, that look amazing. Um, if you're into, you know, that kind of thing, the toys and the figures, I think those are going to be about like 90 bucks. But if you're into that thing, it's well worth it, I'm sure. Probably about seven to eight inches, so. Awesome, man. Yeah, and I don't have uh, any form of Krampus, so that'll give me the oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. inspiration to pick one up uh, in a couple of weeks here. Perfect. Very cool. Uh, what are you wearing, man? Oh, dude. So I'm doing the... The unzip, because it's cold so as hell speaking of cavity colors, I actually have the Let's Get Spooky, and I have that purple and orange Halloween variant, 
You have the original one. Yep, I do. But um, And then I also have my, we were talking about this movie, I have my Gremlin socks on. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. So those are awesome, those. man. I, I haven't think, seen those. I think these are, we always say like the Jeff Bezos. I think that's what these are. I don't think they're the old Fright Jeff Bezos Amazon special. Yeah. We should note as well that we have some of our own merch on. We do. Uh, we have a brand new t-shirt that dropped that was designed by our buddy Matt Pepler. It's a skull tee. Um, it looks amazing. And it's, it does. It says Horror Dads on it. So you can jump onto our website now and purchase your very own uh, horrordads.com. Uh, shirts are 19 bucks, And um, we hand package them with love and care. Our kids draw little fun pictures that go in them. Um, we wanted to make sure the experience for, for receiving one was, was enjoyable and fun. So we, we take that seriously. So if you want, uh, head over to our shop, horrordads.com and you can pick up, um, our original logo tee or the brand new one, um, which we just stocked up in there, uh, this past week. So please head over that way and check it out. And that's what I'm wearing. Uh, while we speak. I think we're both wearing the matching, uh, so we bought ourselves hoodies because we can. So I think we're both wearing our hoodies. Oh, yeah, we are both wearing our hoodies. Yeah. I've got the t-shirt on as well. Oh, so you're double dipping. I'm double dipping. Nice. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you want a hoodie, if you have an interest in one, uh, we just have shirts on the site. Let us know, and we'll try and figure out a way to, uh, to, to get that worked out because we're really trying to expand our merch uh, line, but you know, the demand has to be there. So uh, let us know there's there's the demand and we'll figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, man. Family family antic? We don't want you freezing in the winter, so. No, man, it's snowing today. Yeah. Snowing, it is, it is there's snowing. snow out there. And what are we watching right now, actually? We've got Black Speaking Christmas on snow. from the 70s in the background. Yeah. It's snowing. We got our hoodies on. Feeling yeah, it's, good. It's funny now with... Uh, when you say you're watching Black Christmas now, you have to specify, you know, because the, there's like five the of OG, them now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, not the quote unquote remake because there are a bunch of those. But yes, uh, sir. All right, man. Family antic. What's been going on with the fam? And then we'll uh, yeah, so jump into the episode. Another the winter movie for both you and I is the thing. Oh, uh, yeah. We watch it every chance we get while it's snowing. We actually put Black Christmas on just to kind of mix it up because we've already watched the thing several times. Uh, but yet, was it yesterday? Yeah, we went yesterday. to um, my stepmom's. Yes, we went to her new house for Thanksgiving dinner, uh, like a, a you know the next day, and we watched the thing, of course, last night because it was doing a little light snow, and uh, all the kids were like, "Oh God, I need to get away from this TV." And meanwhile, my four year old pulled up a chair, yeah, and was sitting. What's so funny is like the family now knows that he's like. Oh, yeah, no, he... Yeah, my parents were like, because uh, Finley, my oldest, was like hovering over there. They're like, uh, n- n- no, honey, yeah, you know, you, you got to step away. And then go Breaker the was kids. like, and they looked at him, they're like, no, 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 you're different. Go ahead, sit you're down. Good. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> your wife's brother, your bro- so your other brother-in-law, he, we were playing that game Horrified, and he like looked over at one point, and he was like, wait, should he be? And everybody was like, no, nah, he's, uh, he's fine. He's yeah, good. No, good. He's good. He was like, okay. Saw his ID already. All good. <laughs> uh, uh, that's hilarious. But yeah, that was fun, man. I had a lot of fun yesterday uh, just being there and doing that. Yeah. Uh, my family antic is 
<laughs> I had I had a serious uh, Clark Griswold moment this week. So I, I love this already. Yeah, I decorated uh, the house for Christmas. Okay, and I took all the icicle lights from the attic that I put across the front of the house. I've got a big ranch, um, so it's a lot of lights. And I tested all of them prior to hanging them, okay? I hang them all up. Both my kids come out, literally as I'm getting ready to plug them in. And I was, like, doing the Clark Griswold, like... Drum roll and shit. Drum roll, please, yeah. And uh, plug it in. None of them work. I was like, hmm, this can't be happening. So... Ross! Something's off. And then I literally, I shake the one corner, one strand lights up, and I was like, oh my god, like, actual power's coming here. Something is legitimately wrong. So I find out, like, basically all the lights I just hung are not working anymore. I gotta go get new ones. Tried, like, ten different extension cords, all that shit. So the kids come out, and I'm, like, having a minor freak out, like, spent two and a half hours hanging lights, none of them work. Brittany, my wife's like looking out the window like, oh, fuck. So she comes out. She's like, everything okay? And I was like, you need anything from Home Depot? And she was like, wait, are you going there now? And I was like, yep. I went there, brought the kids. Uh, I get suckered into, because my youngest loves the Grinch. Uh, there was this big blow up Grinch there. And it was like Jesus himself was sitting on the shelf. And they both were, like, so ecstatic when we saw it, and I ended up buying the Grinch. I saw it out there. I was wondering, because yeah, we're dude. not really inflatable. No, we're people. not inflatable, yeah. but we are now. <laughs> uh, and so we came back home. We put it all up. It all worked out. I had a, My legs are actually still sore from going up and down that ladder, like, 925 times. But, uh, yeah, everything's up. It's snowing now. We're good. Leaves are done. Feeling great, man. At least I didn't drive up while you were, like, stuck up there with your sleeves stapled to the gutter. Oh, t- <laughs> <laughs> just floating backwards on my <laughs> extension ladder. Right. Um, all right. So a couple quick plugs. You want to give a happy birthday there, Jamie? Oh, yeah. We have a, a happy birthday to wish to our buddy Chris Obert. Um, he's an amazing uh, friend, listener, and uh, patron. So happy birthday, buddy. I know it's going to be belated by the time this comes out. His wife, Isabel, made him this amazing Monster Squad cake. Uh, with all the, the Universal Monsters on there, and uh, I think she used crushed Oreos for dirt. Like, it fucking amazing. Uh, we love you both. So, happy birthday, buddy. Yeah, and Isabel, uh, just let us know where to send orders for our cakes. Uh, my birthday's in May. Jamie's is in August. August. So, yeah, get so, ready. Yep. Uh, yeah, happy birthday, man. We love you. Um, so, I mentioned the new merch. So, please take an opportunity to check that out. Horrordads.com. Brand new design um, by our, our good friend, Matt Pepler, who's actually texting both Jamie and I as we speak. Um, and find us on social media, anywhere, uh, slash horror dads. Uh, Instagram's our main channel. And if you um, have the time to check out, we do have a Patreon. We've got a $5 tier and a $10 tier per month. Uh, we do two bonus episodes per month um, for the $10 tier. Uh, watch through episode um, for the five dollar tier, and we have a bunch of videos we we do with our kids, and I do read throughs of um, different uh, horror uh, short stories accompanied by music that I kind of make 
on the on the side myself so um would love for you guys to check that out if you have an opportunity lastly if you if you like the show please give us a review on apple podcast or uh wherever you listen to the show um five star review would be great it helps other people find us uh as well in the search engine optimization so that would be totally awesome of you yeah also helpful is to leave a little blurb like, yeah. uh, love the show, you guys suck, whatever it is, as long as it's five stars, say whatever you like. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, Good Pods is this new app where you can go and kind of, it's just a big app for podcasts. Um, go on there. If you are already on Good Pods, make sure to give us a follow. Let's get into it. This episode is sponsored by A House on the Bayou. The unnerving horror thriller A House on the Bayou is now available on digital and on demand. Family vacation in rural Louisiana takes a sinister turn when neighbors show up for dinner uninvited, testing the family's fragile bond and forcing dark secrets to come to light. Buy or rent a house on the bayou and watch it today. Unrated from Paramount Pictures. Hey guys, welcome to episode 52. It's Jamie and John as always, and we're joined today by Alex Levasseur, illustrator, doodler, and Horror Dad. What's up, Alex? How you guys doing? Good, man. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate this. It's been a little bit of a long time coming. We met you through a mutual friend, and um, you've done some illustration, particularly with uh, some children's books, which is super amazing and super fun, and you're a horror lover, and it's it's cool that we got a chance to meet you, man, so thanks for doing this. Yeah, Horror Dad, you know, as, as well. I have uh, four kids, and... Uh, you know, I, I wish they were big horror fans as well. I'm trying baby steps, you know, I'm like spoon feeding them a little bit. But other than that, I pretty much have to watch my horror um, in a corner, like it's some, you know, shame <laughs> porn or something. So, <laughs> so don't talk to me. Yeah. Horror, so. Well, let's start with that question. So, you know, obviously you are a fellow horror dad. You have as many kids for yourself as Jamie and I do collectively. Um, but, you know, tell us about your kids, uh, their ages, your family life. It, it, is anybody into horror? Is your wife into horror? What's the family dynamic look like for you? You know, what's interesting is, so our mutual friend that you were talking about, he's what, you know, uh, connected me with my wife and hooked me up. Now, when we first started dating, he told me how much she loved horror. You know, she she loved bands like, you know, Fear uh, Fear Factory and all this kind of stuff. I was like, no kidding. She sounds great. <laughs> Turns out none of that, you know, absolutely not one ounce of horror. Um, Your wedding night, she was like, hey, listen, uh, I, have, <laughs> I have to talk to you. <laughs> I've been living a lie and I need to come clean. Um, so, you know, I did get her to watch Friday the 13th, the first one, and she had fun with it, but it's you know, Tucker and Dale, uh, Slither, all those movies I could get her maybe to watch. But um, the kids are starting to come around. So I have a 20-year-old son. He doesn't like horror because he finds it dull, you know, like a slow burn. And oh, his patience is of like a, you know, a goldfish. So I'm getting him turned around. <laughs> and my daughter, she's 11. She likes the concept of it. Um, the two twins like horror in the sense of, uh, they like the concept of it, but, you know, it still scares them. But I will say the number one that we could all agree on is Abbott and Costello. Um, Meet the Wolfman. We watch yeah. that probably four times a year. And that's always a staple that we're able to get by. 
Do you have like a seasonality associated with that or do you just do it kind of quarterly? Uh, horror in general? That, that specific film. Uh, that specific film, I, I do it throughout. You know, it's yeah. kind of like if we want to watch some, I watch a lot of horror movies just because I enjoy horror movies. So I'm never really stuck into the October. Now around October is where it really gets, you know, um, increased. But that's a movie that they find as a comedy as well as, you know, with the horror elements in it. So I'm appreciating it with the actors, you know, Chaney and, and all that. They appreciate it because it's hilarious. Yeah. So the Abbott and Costellas you just can't go wrong with. No, even though it's, uh, you know, classic and a lot of kids are turned off by um, that kind of stuff, it's still, it's humor that kind of still hits, you know? It hits for everybody, all ages. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we, I wish they would like uh, Three Stooges more. They actually find that juvenile, yeah. you know, a six telling me it's juvenile when I'm 42 and I'm cracking up. <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I take what I could get when it comes to being able to introduce the kids to, to horror because it's a tough juggle because it's not like, I'm like, hey, you know, son, come sit on my lap. We're going to watch Hostel, you know? So it's kind of like, you know, you have to be the dad part. And at the same time, you really want to try to, you know, push off some of, you know, your passion onto the kids. Yeah, it's a it's a delicate balance for sure. And it's weird, too, because like you it's almost comparable to, oh, I want my child to have a, a better life than I did. Right. Like, oh, I came from the old country. You have to have an easier path and make a lot of money sort of concept, um, even though that's not the case for for Jamie and I. But. I do feel like Jamie and I probably saw horror certain films too young. Right. And when we have conversations with our kids, it's like, are you ready for this? Like, can't, can you do like, <laughs> I was okay with it and I turned out fine and I'm a, you know, productive member of society now, but are, can, can you do this? Uh, so it's sort of answering that question, which is what we all juggle, I guess. Well, like you were saying that uh, kind of like you wanted to, give that great life like you know oh and here's something i'm going to bestow upon you but really i mean with me it's here's the nightmare on elm street box set you know cherish this always it's you know the dvds of the great freddy or something like that that's pretty much the extent of my passing down to the kids which uh doesn't have the same weight (laughs) as you know our forefathers or anything like that what about so you you said your youngest's are two twin boys, yeah? Yep, two six-year-old boys. So what's the the deal there? Are you, you introducing anything of note to the youngest? Yes, my, my son, Jameson, he's really wants to get into it, I think, just because, you know, I do. But every time he'll sneak out of bed, if I'm up, he'll be like, Dad, you watching a scary movie? I'm like, yes, so, you know, of course, because that's usually my MO. And... um some of them I'll let him watch a bit, but he really tries to get into just now scary games. Um, and he's, you know, I could sense that he's kind of taking that poison enough to be able just a little bit to become immune to it. And I think that's kind of what he's doing. My son, Fletch, he does not handle horror at all. So, again, he'll watch maybe some of the classics if it's funny. Again, the Abbott Costellos. But it, I could show them the old you know, universals. But when you think about it, the universals are in a time that it was very slow. So pacing, um, editing of the movie, changing scenes, all of that is a very kind of drawn out thing. And so 
he just doesn't have the patience. That's all he could handle on a fear side. But, you know, at the same time, you have to juggle with that. Well, this might be too boring for you. Yeah, that's fascinating. Cause I, I had a conversation with my wife. I was like, can, can I start? It's like asking your dad for money. I was like, can I start, can I start showing the kids <laughs> the universal monster films? And she was like, all right, well, let's start with whichever one you think is least scary. And I was like, okay. Um, I mean, personally, I feel like mummy is least scary. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I agree. Maybe we'll start there. And she was like, all right. I mean, it's up to you. Uh, so, I'm 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 going to go down that road. I'll let you know how it pans out, and I feel like I might be met with the same uh, result, though. Yeah, it's a juggle. I mean, because again, it's safe enough for them. But I will tell you what I learned not to do was I showed them the remake of uh, the Mummy, um, second round. You know, with Brenda Fraser. I thought that'd be a great one for them. It's adventure. It's fun. Turns out that all three kids woke up in the middle of the night because of those scarab beetles. <laughs> Yeah, they were scared to death. They were, and it was. I had to hear about that from my wife. Oh boy, for weeks on end about how <laughs> I really chose wisely on that one. Oh shit! Yeah, the uh, the wives won't hesitate to give you shit. Oh no, they will not. I'll no, call you no. Nope. And then I'll, I'll tell you another one. So. Well, I was gonna say Suicide Squad. <laughs> I, <laughs> I my daughter was old enough. And I said, you know what, it's, you know, I'm sure it's fine. It's, you know, I know it's going to be a little bit, but it'll be cartoony. Oh, boy, that was another one I'm still trying to live down to show my uh, 11-year-old that one, which I should have seen coming. I mean, it's not like that's, <laughs> you know, not the obvious thing of, boy, she shouldn't have seen that. Yeah, of course. Um, what about your wife? Is she is she into horror? Does she tolerate your your passion for it? Does she participate at any point in time? Does she have like a, do you have a mutual set of films that you guys like together anything like that the only ones that i could get her to watch i mean short answer is absolutely not she is not (laughs) a fan of horror in any sense um she's not a fan of anything she's a family channel uh christmas movie all year round kind of person oh yeah you know if and you know your lifetime movies your hallmark channels all of that. But when it comes to horror, I've been able to squeeze a bit. We watched Cabin in the Woods, Slither. Um, the first Friday the 13th was a surprise that I was able to get her to watch. But other than that, no. If it's not my anniversary, then she's not going to you know, compromise to watch any type of horror. <laughs> what did you think of the first uh, Friday the 13th? She thought it was good. You know, I talked her into it. I said, well, Kevin Bacon's in it. You know, I mean, so that says something. It's always um, a selling point. I just met Adrian yes. King last week, uh, and she was the most kind, uh, considerate human being I've ever. Like, I, I was starstruck to talk to her, and she was very, very, very cool. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's she. She dug it. I mean, she she had fun with it. Um, but it usually is just kind of a all right. You get your one freebie. Um, so <laughs> I th- yeah, we already hit our quota for the year. So. You know, January we're coming to 1st. January soon, so we'll <laughs> <You're sleep. waiting. laughs> I love it. So, uh, Alex, what got you into horror? I like, I, most people we talk to around our age, it's always, you know, growing up, going to the video store, looking at the VHS cover art of the horror films, being scared and intrigued all at the same time. Is that kind of like your story coming up? I used to love, um, well, it's interesting. So I used to love EC Comics, of course. You know, I love the art and I love the idea. Yeah. Um, and I was young when right around, um, you know, uh, 
HBO and um, Tales of the Crypt came. And then, you know, my mother was a uh, English uh, teacher for a while there. So she would read Poe to me. Um, oh, yeah. And so oh, wow. all of that stuff started adding up. But the main things and I don't know if you guys remember the Crestwood books series of uh, of horror movies. No, Crestwood. So in our elementary school, they used to have these books and they're really known for kind of the their orange color books. And then they were a little hardback, but they're kids books. And it would show scenes of King Kong would be one of the books or um werewolves and you'd have curse of the werewolf and all these different types the invisible man and so they were books that would talk about it and a lot of times it would be a children's narrative with scenes from the old movies and so that really got me into it because i wasn't able to watch the movies but i could get these books in the library and read and feel like i've actually seen the movies because they had the scenes from you know um the invisible man where He's, uh, you know, unraveling the bandages and all of that. So that really pushed the horror aspect and kind of the classic monsters were just things that I found in the library. Well, then it went into a big sp- spiral of you know, watching more horror and stuff like that. Were those books, though, did they were they about the films like a nonfiction? Yeah, like um, a novelization or or was it? Yeah. Or was it like a fiction novelization of the film? It well, it depended because it would be one book could be uh, Mad Scientist, and it would show you different scenes. You know, you had your Bride of Frankenstein, and it would talk about something uh, else. And uh, if it was King Kong, it would be a novelization of the movie with the images from the black and white movie and everything. Um, and sometimes it would just be a collective of vampires, for example, where it would be talking about the movie specifically. And it would show, you know, um, all these different individuals who played a vampire, Christopher Lee and all that stuff. So it, it was great. You know, I would highly recommend looking those up. And I, I really want to say they were the Crest book or Crestwood line of books. Um, but it was right at your hands right there. You're reading about a movie that you just can't see. You know, and then, of course, you have your Fangoria's and all that, that you know, Gore Zone and, and all those magazines that um, I would, you know, go to a grocery store and read it when my parents were shopping. And so, you know, I wasn't able to buy it, but at least I could get caught up on some of the movies upcoming and all that. So that's yeah. just really you had, what stirred you a primer, though. all of that horror. That's a really interesting, interesting uh, concept because you had that thing that was like, OK, I, I've seen, you know, 10 percent of it here through still images but i want to get to the real thing now yeah did you did you uh did you have a specific video store that you would frequent do you remember the name of it we had um we had a couple growing up some of the you know the the lower end we had a place called dicky dogs that had um <laughs> they had some uh it that one was a mix you know most people would have movies that may be behind a beaded curtain <clears throat> this one would have certain movies it would be like let's say annie and right next to it would be a movie that absolutely should not have been next to it, even if it's alphabetized. So we did that. But oh. also a lot of my movie rentals was, of course, Blockbuster that, you know, we could wax nostalgic about that all day long about how just your Friday consisted of that place and yeah. picking a movie. But I worked at Kroger's when I was 15. I was a bagger. 
amazing bagger, by the way. You know, I'm sure, you know, you've heard you've heard the stories, but um, bag the shit out of some movies. If I, had to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was all state, uh, you know, 92. <laughs> so we had um, and I don't know if you, you guys remember or but there were video rentals at um, at Kroger's. And my Kroger's couldn't really afford nice ones. So we had some, you know, not so great horror movies, but I would rent the crap out of those. So it'd be, you know, Children of the Night or Pit and the Pendulum, you know, a lot of uh, uh, full moon features and stuff like that. And those I would just rent and watch and watch and watch, you know. So I usually went with whatever had the worst cover, not necessarily in, you know, graphic or anything, but just very cheesy. I would get that just to see, you know, how bad it was or whatever. Um, but the, yeah, that's pretty much, it was just, you know, Dickie dogs. And then of course that went under cause it was a little shady and then uh blockbuster and then rolling over into the Kroger side. Yeah, yeah, for, I mean, for context though, um, we've got a lot of listeners throughout the U S so Kroger is a huge grocery chain. Uh, so yeah. we, we have giant Eagle here in Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. On the East Coast, you have stuff like Wegmans. Down South, you have Publix. Piggly uh, Wigglies. Piggly yeah, Wiggly. Piggly Wigglies, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so Kroger's what? Pretty pretty much like a Northern Kentucky, Southern Ohio, um, maybe even over into Indiana a little bit. So I can't get over this Dickie Dogs, though. Like, there's a reason why you have an adult section. You're like, you're looking for Annie, and then, like, why is Anal Blasters 13 right next to Annie? Like, what the fuck? Come on, Dickie Dogs, get your shit together. Well, and I think that's what took them down. But there was a movie that it was the Groove Tube. I don't know if you ever heard of uh, the Groove Tube. Mm-mm. It's a it's a '70s movie, and actually Chevy Chase makes an appearance in it um, in one of the skits. It's a skit based on sex. So oh my dad got it to keep you know my brother and I kind of quiet one time. He goes, "Well, we have to put put up a basketball hoop. I'm going to put it up, and I'm going to rent this movie. It looks funny." Well, it wasn't funny. It just was two hours of a early or late 70s and early 80s pseudo porn movie. And it just with different skits. And uh, I remember my mother coming home going, where did you get this movie? And, you know, we got in trouble. My father got in trouble because he had no clue. But it was like, oh, my gosh. Turns out it was rated X and it was at Dickie Dog. So anytime you saw something like that, you're like, yeah, Dickie Dogs. That makes sense. Poor guy's just out there raking leaves. Like, oh, no idea. I've been putting up a basketball hoop. And then your mom probably called Dickie Dogs. And after the 700th (laughs) call they got, they were like, all right, we're going to shut up shop. Yeah, you know, I found it entertaining. It was a funny movie, but I I think the humor of the skits that were shown was lost on my mom. So, you know, everyone has their own (laughs) unique humor, I guess. Oh, man, I love that. Uh all right, so let's talk about your uh, illustration a little bit. I know we're going to get into some films here, um, and we're going to talk about. I guess we, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't discuss the theme. My bad. Uh, but we're we're going to talk about horror films that are intended for children or based off of children's books uh, or things of that nature. So we have one specific pick that's a bit of a stretch, but Alex, I think you've got a, a really good case for it based off the way you talked about it. Um, so we're going to talk about Alex's uh, top three kind of in that sphere. Uh, but before we do that, you know, as an illustrator, just let's talk about your inspiration. You know, are there certain themes that you feel compelled to represent in your artwork? Um, and I guess the gigs that you pick up, are they mostly passion projects or do you get commissioned to do stuff too? sort of what's your relationship with art? 
Well, I always, always drew and I would always try to, um, again, I always call it doodling because it's, I'm not, you know, you guys have had some great artists on your shows, you know, the nine scariest movies and everything. Those are legit, I would say, amazing artists. Um, with me, I just would always draw like a monster or a dragon or a dinosaur or something, just doodling all the time. And most of that would be from looking at either these books or magazines and then just kind of getting inspired from there. And I would just draw stuff, you know, draw scenes from a movie that never existed or, oh, wouldn't it be cool here or whatever the case is. And EC Comics was a huge one um, for me as well to get me into that. The the drawing part in general was just, you know, um, doodles and you know, you had your Bernie Wrightsons and you had all these great artists that would do very realistic stuff. And I learned early on that I, you know, I don't necessarily have a good you know, realism or anything like that. So I think that's a little more freeing on there. But um, monsters have always been, you know, such a huge thing. So when we released our Dr. Picklebottom book, um, kids books, I was what I had the most fun of was putting in vincent price in there um yeah little nuggets here and there little easter eggs and stuff into the books um but when it comes to commission and all that i'm doing a project right now which um you guys actually i i mailed um to you um just today so you're not going to get it but i i did um bookmarks so for some reason i just felt like you know what i'm going to do bookmarks for all the the kids because you know i have a whole bunch so I shot it out and a lot of families have been reaching out saying my daughter loves Zelda, my other daughter loves this or my son loves this. So I've been doing that and just sending free bookmarks out. Oh, I just thought it's kind of fun. It's a yeah. you know fun little thing to do the art and just kind of send it out to the people. Yeah, that's totally awesome. Um, so the Dr. Picklebottom that you're referring to. So this was a collaboration that you worked on with our mutual friend, uh, Chris Stanley. Um, who I met, I feel like I've known him like 44 years, but I just met him, I guess, last August, I suppose, like right before the election, because he was running for state rep. Um, so I was helping him on his campaign. Uh, and then we became good buds. And, you know, through hanging out with him post campaign, he mentioned all the great work you guys did together. He dropped off a bunch of the books that you guys collaborated on. And I read to my kids continually. So uh, do you want to talk about some of those works that you guys uh, did together and sort of what the contents are within there. And I know you did the Vincent price drop and I observed that kind of stuff immediately and was attracted toward it, um, with, with what you worked on. Yeah, we, so we have many, many kids among us. I think we're, I think we're at eight, eight kids collectively between us. So (laughs) we always really push. And I, I grew up with Stanley for, I've known him since, you know, uh, freshman year of high school. And so he always would want to write and always want to do these things. And, you know, and again, I, I would put some art together and stuff, but we started talking and we're like, why don't we do um, books to read to our kids? Cause we read to our kids every night anyways. So it's kind of like, well, why don't we just make our own? And it, it just kind of went from there. And we wrote a couple books and, and we had a, I dream series. I dreamed I was a reindeer and everything. The most fun though, was when we did the, Dr. Picklebottom's Guide to Everyday Household Monsters and um, How to Defeat Them. What was a blast about that was just talking about the monsters, 
bouncing ideas back and forth about what he says or what this and what that. And then me having the freedom to put little nuggets of whatever I found necessary. You know, if this needed a monster here, well, which one do I want? Okay, well, I'm going to put the block, you know, and I'm going to do these little things. And um, we've had a blast just making these books because it's just friends hanging out, you know, bouncing ideas back and forth. And then we just put it to to art and paper and, and all that. And then we just release it. So pre-COVID, of course, we would go to school visits and we would have so much fun. So we would do live draws to where we actually had the kids uh, scream up things. We designed monsters for them. And those monsters went into the book in the back of the book of that first one. And what was fun about that is the kids would scream, you know, how many eyeballs, 10 eyeballs, or, you know, what, is there, what are they claw hands for the arms or does it have horns? And what was interesting is we were talking about our kids and what movies to choose. I remember one school visit where I would live draw and they kept saying, I want it. You know, they wanted the clown. And I'm like, oh, what Pennywise, are these kids? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah in, <laughs> in kindergarten, knowing about, you know what I mean? Stephen King's it. And I was like, that just seems very off to me. But um, no, it's been a blast. It's It's been a blast just to have fun and, and draw, you know, in a certain kid's style. I, I, had a comic company for a while there and we did independent horror comics. Um, and then that's kind of just such a different style to, to do that for the grownups and then also be able to go, okay, I need to draw a monster, even if it's the same monster, but when it comes to the kids, you really have to kind of change that style. And it's sometimes tough to go back and forth, you know, so I can't, I try not to work on the same things, or two different style books at the same time, just because, you know, it, it, one is a palate cleanser and the other is kind of, you know, a little darker, if you will. Yeah, for sure. By the way, Chris dropped off a bundle of books um, last year after the campaign and uh, the one that my oldest daughter gravitated uh, most toward is the uh, Dr. Picklebottom one. So got a fan here, two fans in this house uh, of that one uh, for sure. So. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it was a blast. Awesome we actually had to stop it early because we were at a hundred and something pages. We were like, we can't get any more pages in. I think it's, <laughs> I've drawn a hundred and something. We have to stop. And we had, I think, about another 30 pages we could have added to that book just because it was how much, you know, so much fun talking about monsters, drawing monsters and doing all that. And what's funny is like, so I don't know if you guys do this too. And so Jamie and I's kids are pretty close proximity in age but i i read every night our bedtime routine is i have to read two stories and then tell two stories that i make up okay like got to invent two stories a day so it's a challenge but um the kids pick the books the two books and then i make up the stories and sometimes they'll pick one and i'm like oh god damn it that one's so long i'm like are you sure you don't want that one you know like i'm tired let's get this going kind of deal um, but I, I don't, uh, I don't ever get bummed out when my oldest picks, uh, that one, even though it is, it is, a uh, a little bit on the long side. I don't, uh, I don't have that reaction to that one. Well, no, I, I take that as a compliment because my kids check out after like, we break it into four pieces. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's the kind of support I get from my kids all the time. I think they're just jaded that, you know, when I draw a picture, they're like, oh, yeah, that's great. You know, or if we have to put it into a, you know, a birthday card, I draw the own, you know, my own birthday cards. 
save some money and then get to the kids. And th- I think at this point they're just kind of like, man, it is what it is. Cool. Thanks. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot for that. Took you long enough. Yeah. Totally get that. As a fan of horror growing up, you kind of talked about some books um, since we're, I guess, spending time in this sphere. Uh, what, what other books in addition to the ones that you already referenced were kind of uh, part of your inspiration, I guess, not only from a graphic side, but from a storytelling side, the obvious things like Goosebumps always had those very attractive covers that were, you know, they instantly captured you and you felt compelled to read a story simply because it had a cool title and a cool cover, right? And then you got in there and you're like, oh, this is countercultural and something that my parents like side-eye a little bit and they're like, oh, you're reading that smut bullshit again you know kind of thing but they're also willing to buy it for you you know because it's like oh great he's reading right plus it, it's clear that it was geared for kids but there was always like you know, like you said some sort of like you know um off color like picture yeah you know, i've like, got four four of the originals stacked right yeah. here from yep. uh from goosebumps but anything in that space alex that you want to reflect on or talk about you know it's weird i i I, I always kind of look back at the goosebumps and, and I do not know if those came out when I was still into that period of time of reading those books. I think they came after, uh, after, you know, I think they were some years after, after I went into more, you know, young adult books or anything. I always loved the R.L. Stein books, but more of the, the fear street line. Um, there was a line of books, um, it was Friday the 13th series books and they were more of just those standalones. So it was almost like Freddy's nightmares. Do you remember that show? Oh yeah. Yep. So it was kind of, these books were kind of like that to where, you know, the, the, the series of the books was Friday the 13th, but it didn't revolve around Canon or anything like that. It just sure. so happened to be more like Freddy's nightmares, but your fear street ones. Um, I used to love, um, and again, like I said, the Friday the 13th ones, and it was always just those teens in trouble. So those were the books that I really, really got into. Um, and then it led to Clyde Barker, which I think I read a little too young. Um, cause those are obviously very heavy yeah. and, <laughs> and, but so much it, it would sexuality be, to those tales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, those were very eye opening. you know, I was like, Oh, wow. I think I became an adult when I read, you know, some of his books. I was like, oh, I guess that officially means I'm grown up. Um, Listen, uh, Dad read me this comedy and I read uh, Hellraiser, so I'm officially a man. <laughs> exactly. I don't need any talk about the birds and the bees or any of that. I already got it. Done. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Barker. Um, and so that's where I kind of went through. But, you know, I mentioned before, so my mom used to uh you know really collect books and originals and all that but she really got me into Edgar Allan Poe by just reading those to me when I was young um and those are hit or miss you know they really are because obviously they're a little you know um dry so to speak and everything but yeah sometimes you 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 come across like a 60 pager that's about a a pocket watch and you're like, oh what the hell happened here? But then things like Telltale Heart happen and you're like, oh man, this is so riveting and engaging and it's so like quick and snappy and just, you know, it it just captures you. When it's easy to tell kind of what's going on there. I mean, how dark that story is, no matter how many, 
these and thy and all that kind of stuff that gets thrown in there. It's easy for, you know, a, a young kid to get the gist of it. Yep. And my mom did a good job of, I don't want to say dumbing it down, but, you know, I mean, that's really what it was, was dumbing it down when she would read the stories. But then you get in the, you know, like the raven and metaphor and all. I'm like, eh, I don't have any patience for that. But um, those were the books that I loved to read. I loved to read mainly when I started getting older, just uh, schlocky kind of just, you know, uh, 80s B horror style books. And I think a lot of the R.L. Steins fell into that, which was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely like, you know, the dad working on an experiment in the basement, turning into a plant monster. You know, shit like that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Alex, are you a collector of horror? Like, are you big into horror merch at all? You know, I, I am too. And this kind of goes back uh, to what I'm able to get into the house. Um, I always play a game where I'll just... For example, we had a, a framed picture and I replaced it with uh, Shin Godzilla just to see, hey, does anyone notice? And no <laughs> one has. And I think that's been up for six months now. Um, but I do have some. I did a lot more in the past. And then when, you know, the kids were born, I went into a weird phase where I was like, you know what? I'm going to move past horror and, you know, do who knows, Mr. Mom or, you know, um, leave it to Beaver, that kind of thing. Yeah, But then I found, okay, no, you know, I love horror too much, so I'm just going to bring it back and do all that. So I do a lot of, uh, I collect some paintings, some prints, um, the uh, figures. I've really been loving, like, the Puppet Master uh, NECA figures or NECA figures, however you say it. Um, those line of toys have been great. So I'm really starting to only now get back into um, collecting, buying a lot of old Gore Zone magazines that I used to own. Oh shit! Um, and rereading those, I've been having a blast. Is so you've mentioned Puppet Master a couple times. Is that your favorite like uh, franchise? I enjoy again my favorite. I'm not a big fan of like you know your hostels and and things like that where it's more that mean spirited. I yeah. really enjoy yeah. very cheesy. Um, not comedies, but I want them to be, you know, I want to have the gore in there. I want to have the scares and the special effects and all that stuff. The Puppet Master series I've always loved. And and what's weird about to say that is the series itself is really bad. There's only three good ones, I would say. And that's just part one, part two, part three. Everything else is beyond horrible. I kind of asked the question with that in mind, and I hope it didn't come across as is no adversarial no, but, the, but i was wondering no, i get stuck in that it's 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 a horrible series but damn is it just not the characters themselves the puppets and all that i have such an attachment to you know that i went back and we were talking about collecting there for a second i went back and bought the comic books um uh, puppet master comic books it was a whole line a couple lines um back in the day and that one I still will watch. You know, the first three I watch on a regular basis. But it, it, again, so is it my favorite series? Yes. Even though it's the worst series, you know. Um, so that's always a tough one to answer. But no, I, I love that series very much. Full Moon I grew up with. Um, you know, it's kind of tough watching them now, a lot of them. But uh, yeah, that one really has a nostalgic uh uh, you know, uh, rose colored glasses for that series. You're the first person that's had that be their answer on this show for sure. Um, 
we've interviewed a lot of people and everyone always picks a, one of the main yeah, three. Standard, yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, I kind of guided you to that answer, but that's <laughs> interesting here for sure. I, uh, that's one of the movies that I witnessed way too young. Like I remember my stepdad you didn't was watch watching. it. You witnessed it. Yeah. It was like my stepdad was watching and I went into the family room, you know, one of those where you go in and, um, they're like, Oh no, you, you, you should leave. Um, and it was like the, the guy with the drill walk away, was drilling over somebody. Your and I was like, yeah. holy shit. Yeah. Oh, right through the head. Yeah. yeah or, uh, I was like, this is not something I should be watching. That and the but stepfather. But see, those effects were so cool, though. You know, like that right there, that scene, I, I could picture it in my head still now. It's just those characters were just on the base level, just killer dolls. I mean, I, yeah. that old idea, I think, is cool. And they were each so unique in what their quote-unquote powers were or anything that that's what the fun of the movie I felt was. Oh, definitely. Like watching it now. But it's funny because when you, I don't know about you guys, but if there's something that you saw a little bit too young, that kind of scarred you a little bit, even now, even though it's safe now for me, like puppet master is still I, like, when I think about it, I still kind of get that like feeling of like, oh, I probably shouldn't watch that. You get the willies. I'm a little bit too young. <laughs> Fucking 40 years old. I'm, now. A, I'm a young 40. <laughs> yeah. So wait, stepfather was there for you too, Jamie. I, yep. Stepfather is one that I, again, walked in the room. Cause you were, my, you were born what? 80, 81, 81. And stepfather came out like in, what? 89, 87. There you go. So I, I think born. my, Actually, my stepfather, I think he was watching it, um, like, <laughs> on HBO, you know. I'm laughing because I've met your stepfather also. Yeah, and, like, if there's going to be a stepdad in real life that will that might kill you, that's my stepdad. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm laughing like this. It's a, We better laugh about this because he might appear like Candyman, and hopefully he doesn't. <laughs> also, he drives trucks, so if he goes on, like, a listening binge of our podcast. Yeah. Sorry, Jim. And then I'm in stepfather part eight. <laughs> <laughs> Podcaster disappears. <laughs> What's well, funny you mentioned the so Tim Curry as it was the one that even now I think in my head is scarier than obviously what the movie is. I watched it with my um oldest son and he was kind of like, Yeah, it's not really that scary. And even though I'm watching it and I agreed with him, in my mind, each one of those scenes are so heightened. Because that yeah. one scared the living shit out of me. That's when a perfect I was, example. You know, when I was a kid. Yeah. It's funny you mention that specific film because I, I feel Freddy Krueger for our generation has become what Pennywise is for like my daughter's, she's seven, generation um, because those films came out over the past few years and the popularity is there and the hype is there. Yeah, and the commercial appeal. Yeah, and everyone keeps talking about it. The kids keep talking about it. And I made a conscientious effort. We just watched Home Alone 2. And um, my wife was like, oh, is Pen... And I was like, don't say it. She's <laughs> like, what do you mean? And I was like, if you fucking... If you mention this, Finley's not going to want to watch Home Alone 2 because she's been talking about Pennywise and she keeps asking me questions. And she's like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. Um, but Tim Curry just be even being in Home Alone 2... Uh, you know the 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 power that he was able to to demonstrate through that character. I I totally agree, man. Like, I love that original one, um, and I think it's very very powerful and impactful. It doesn't hold up as much, but you know it it doesn't go away. I mean, every one of those, I still find his his him to be the best. You know, but I've I've loved him since 
you know, my mother showed me Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was real little. Well, dude, I, and, I just that introductory scene, right, of of uh, the clothesline. And I just remember having like a six cassette <laughs> rental from wherever and putting in that first one starting in the middle and being like, what the fuck's happening in the story? And then my aunt being like, no, 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 honey, this is the first one. You have to start here. And then putting in the first one and that intro scene and the tricycle and the wheel spinning and the Michael Myers sheets happening all around and just being like, what the fuck is going on here? And I was just like way too young to be watching that. And yeah, that one stays with me. Yeah. That scene's now stuck in my head. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to bed tonight. So I'm sitting there thinking about it like, shit, that was messed yeah. up. You're welcome, buddy. There <laughs> that you are. wave, that little wave behind the sheets. I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's it. Yep. I'm up all night. <laughs> do, you, are, do you have other uh, artist, specific artists that inspire you? Um, graphic artists, that is? Well, Bernie Wrights and I, I was a huge fan of. Um, but the the vault of horror tales in the crypt all of those ec comics um those were the ones that always stuck with me and i always wanted and wished i could draw like they did uh, it took me a long time to realize that um you know every art is a style you know if you look at something from jim lee to uh adventure time to simpsons to everything like that is such a specific style and there's a lot of people that do not like let's say the art style of adventure time i personally love it but i also love the realism of you know um you know todd mcfarland or something like that so those i think i i gravitated more to the ec side just because i felt like those comic books and the horror comic books were uh, it was something I shouldn't be reading, you know, and, and even now when you look back, they're not very graphic or anything as to the extent as they used to be, but, or what it used to kind of feel. But uh, yeah, th- those just really got me into, you know, daydreaming about horror stories or creating my own stories or all of that, just by looking at that art, uh, those art pieces. It's still, the art is still so amazing today. Uh, all right, well, let's jump into some movies. But, but before we do that, man, plug your stuff. Where can people find you? Where can people find the work you've done? Uh, where can people buy stuff? You know, the really, the work I've done, I've done a couple comics. Um, you know, we have uh, camping comics. And uh, there's another one that's going to be published in a couple weeks in part of a horror anthology. Um, and so I'll throw that out there on social media. You could find me, you know, on uh, Twitter, some of the artwork and everything. Um, and I'm trying to think, you know, Jump Splash Books, we have uh, our kids book line. Um, but other than that, I, I'm not really that far out there on um, selling anything. I, I, I don't know why I usually. So right now, again, I'm doing a, uh, a, a series of bookmarks for free. So if any kid wants a bookmark, and then just kind of get a theme uh, i'm going to mail it out for free and i find that to be you know the most fun is just getting those out there but if you ever want to ping uh, or take a look and see something i'm working on uh, my twitter um, account is raul Levisser, and uh, that's pretty much it so twitter's your platform all right yeah we'll we'll, we'll share that for sure and and help uh, get you out there a little bit um do you guys want to get into some uh scary kid shit here 
Let's do it. Absolutely. All right, let's jump into some movies. So our first movie is an, a movie I didn't really know existed from 1983. I didn't either. Yeah. Like I knew the phrase, right? But Walt Disney did acid and took mushrooms <laughs> and then made this film. So Alex, what are we going to talk about, man? All right, so going with the, the theme of the children's books that became a horror movie, Something Wicked This Way Comes, um, like you mentioned, is a Disney movie, and it's based on a Ray Bradbury book. Hellfire storms are coming, an electric storm to clean your streets and wash away your troubles. For every heart, there exists a wish. You ever play the numbers, Mr. Holloway? Hey, never take risks. For every soul, there burns a desire. Oh, I Always was. It smells to me like we're going to have visitors. But never whisper your dreams, for someone might be listening. <laughs> Um, I remember reading this book as a kid, loved the book, but I actually read the book after seeing the movie. Uh, yeah, so such a good movie. I'm very curious to, to get your guys' takes because it's very surprising that it's a Disney movie. Shocked uh, by that fact, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's got some uh, heavy themes throughout. That's like, Dude. this isn't for kids. <laughs> Honest to well, God. So a quick preamble. Because I guarantee many listeners have not seen this movie. Yeah, Jamie I mean, and I did not. Yeah, uh, until this uh, this prompt. So this is a great topic for uh, horror dads, by the way. Perfect yeah, topic. Totally agree. Uh, so this was directed by Jack Clayton, starring uh, Jason Robards, Jonathan Price, Diane Ladd, and the five hundred thousand foot view of this is. Uh, it's about a small American town where this diabolical circus and it's very shitty and demonic proprietor basically like just prey on all the townsfolk. Um, His name Dr. Dark or something. (laughs) Yeah, dude. But this movie is a mix, honest to God, between Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, The Fun House, Mm -hmm. and like Labyrinth. Like it's those if those three movies had a kid, it it's this. Well, since we're on that topic of comparing, uh, did the beginning of this movie remind you of any other movie that you just saw for the first time recently? The, the October feels of this film, I will say, are significant. It's heavy. And Dude. you know what it reminds me of? That just that opening specifically with the narrator reminds me so much of the Lady in White. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, the time frame, yeah. the yeah. Yeah, good reference. Um, but yeah, I didn't know this movie even existed. It definitely has a Disney feel like, a please, sir. May I have some more kind of deal going on? But like, it's, it's heavy. There are a lot of like, uh, parallel stories happening. Uh, there's a lot going on here, but, um, Alex, why'd you pick this movie? How do you feel about it? Jamie and I will give some thoughts, but, uh, why don't you give us the lowdown first? Well, this one, I, I love movies, which it's interesting. And I kind of thought back on the, the three movies I picked. I was like, okay, well, they all have the same small town theme in common. 
Yeah. And they all have that kind of narration and everything like that. This one is one of those ones that always stuck with me um, through years and years and years. Um, and sometimes I'll forget that it exists. And then other times I'm like, oh, yeah, that movie was so good. Um, this is a slow burn kind of movie. But the kids are, you know, it, it that's where the Disney part comes in, I feel, is the kids are just real, you know, kid-like. They're curious. They're running around. They're doing silly things. But Mr. Dark is very dark. I think he he played so well, just a creepy guy. The things that are going on with the town folk, you know, uh, kind of like that. Uh, it's like a monkey paw kind of thing. You know, somebody wants to be beautiful again. And then they lose eyesight. So they can't see themselves beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. it's just a, it's just a, the redhead child, that little redhead kid and the bearded lady and all those weird things that just keep happening through the movie. I will say one of the best is Pam Greer. I had a huge crush on Pam Greer when this movie came out. Um, but yeah, it's just a really slow burn and the heavy things of just uh, what you could have been with the individual that lost his leg, you know, used to be, you know, kind of like what it used to be. I used to be a football star, the father with, you know, you're too old to play with your kids and you're just getting older and are you going to be there for them? I mean, that's a, that's a lot of heavy stuff for a PG Disney movie. Definitely. Dude, yeah. it's really heavy. And also, that dad was uncomfortably old for having that young young child. And the wife <laughs> yeah. who's like half his age. Yeah. <laughs> what was going on there? Jesus. She's like petting his hair in bed that one that that one scene and she's like I know you're old as shit, but it's fine. Oh. But yeah, yeah, no, it, yeah, it's not like he had money either. He was he's just like a town librarian. And I was like, but what you know, I don't know. I, I've loved Jason Robards too since Once Upon a Time in the West is my favorite Western. You know, Barnett, love that Western. And he was so good in it that when this movie came out, I was excited to really kind of jump in. Now, I don't mean came out because I was only four when the movie came out, but when it first rolled over to me where I could see it. Um, I was extremely excited to see that just because him too. I mean, he is so good in it. Um, but you bought it on so DVD many... for this express purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I wanted to watch it again after I mentioned it. I was like, Oh, I have to see that again. It's been so, I couldn't find a stream in anywhere. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy it on DVD, you know? And because it's one of those ones that the more I thought about it, uh, the more it was like, yeah, oh my gosh, I remember that key scene. I remember the key, the scene on the carousel, the conversation of listen as your heart beats slower and slower and uh, the hiding in the library when Mr. Dark's walking through and everything trying to find him. Yeah, it's just a it's a movie that I think is very sophisticated. I think it's very well made. You know, this, sure, the special effects may not you know, stick up to, to now, but I, I like the, the kind of the hand drawn laser stuff and all that. But um, yeah, I, I really enjoy this movie. I think it's way, it was ahead of its time. Definitely because the movie bombed um, didn't even make half of its money back, but it's not on Disney plus. Just, no, I'm sorry. It's not on Disney plus and it's a Disney film. And it so, should be. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when they put Black Hole on there, which is kind of also 
pretty damn dark and bleak um, on the Disney Plus. I was really, I was waiting for this one, but I don't know if they just want to pretend it didn't even come out, but it's a, uh, I think it's a movie that is not a kid's movie. You know, yes, it's, you know, they, they may say it's a kid's movie, but I, <laughs> I did not show my kids, even when I bought the DVD this week, I did not show my kids the movie because I just don't think it's right for them because there's just so much just heavy themes throughout this whole movie of regret and just all of that stuff on the good side it's very creepy it, it has all the stuff you need you have your spider scenes um oh, and the way that the spider's being driven by that like esmeralda-esque character like so oh, terrifying yeah. pam um, greer yeah love some pam greer I, I think this movie um, really does grapple with themes of um, gluttony, I guess, for lack of a better term. Like, hey, what's the one thing you want most? And how do you want to get the most of that thing that you want most? And everyone kind of has that struggle and everyone ma- manages it differently, which is super interesting. And um, I think it's 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 cool that like other characters and what's going to happen to them, like kind of specifically like our father character, it, it, it's really what drives his decision-making. So the relationship between uh, that old ass dad and, and the kid is really like, that's the, the thing that drives this movie for me. And that's the most like Disney esque representation of this film is he's, you know, struggling with oh hey i have a bad heart and i want to also be around a long time but i have a kid and like i want to spend time with him so like what do i do um am i okay being old and uh watching his struggle is is interesting and like the way the kid cares so much about the father too like after he sees some shit and is is pretty much in a vulnerable position the father doesn't believe and understand quite yet. And he's like, Hey, I just got to lock up for the night. Like I'm going to sit out here and smoke a cigar. And he's like, no dad, come inside. Like, I love you. Uh, the honesty in that, that scene, in that transaction, like I just remember being a kid and, and feeling those feelings and thinking like, Oh, the worst thing that could happen on planet earth right now is like for a parent to die. Um, and feeling that vulnerability. And this, this movie really taps into that. It's, it's kind of honest. Um, even though it's fantastical and rooted in such like ridiculousness at times, like it, it, it does that. Well, and it's interesting to see it now. Um, you know, when I was a kid, the theme that I took from it was, and there's a scene in the movie that resonates even today is when he's in the grate and the dad comes down, he's oh, yeah, like yeah, kind yeah. of rubbing the kid's head. He's holding his hand. Yeah. That is so, I mean, it sounds corny now, but when I was young, I was like, I really felt like, oh, my gosh, his dad loves that kid so much. And then when I look at it as an adult with my own, you know, 60 kids, I go, you know what? I'm like, damn, that <laughs> takes a whole nother feel. Because then I start thinking when I wake up and, you know, pull my, you know, damn back out by, who knows, grabbing a shoe. I'm like, you know, oh, my gosh, is that me? You know, am I too old or um, all of these kind of things? And it's so it was very for me, it was very interesting to watch it from remembering it so much as a kid, seeing it as a kid, having those thoughts, um, and then kind of seeing it now as a, 
you know, as a father myself, I was like, ah, oh, man, this movie's a lot heavier than <laughs> than I remember. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, just to echo what everybody else said, you know, it's um, it's funny to watch these children's movies from the 80s specifically where they they do interject these themes that are kind of out of the reach of children. And I, I don't know that they pick up on the themes necessarily, but they just find them boring, those scenes in particular. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's just, to me, it's always baffling. Like, why even make a movie like this, you know, that's uh, geared toward kids but is very heavy? I don't know if that was intentional like you know give the parents something to watch substantial as well because uh it dawned on me that there's this movie that i watched with the kids it's like a it's an rl stein movie but it's very modern day disney-ish nickelodeon yeah um it's called monsterville cabinet of souls essentially the same premise a carnival comes to town when did that come out uh, it's probably like maybe four years old four or five years old okay so it's um yeah it's you know it's very like my son would love it, you know, like eight, eight yeah. to 12, you know, very much in that age range, but it, it's the same type of thing. The carnival comes, there's like a creepy Mr. Dark type guy and, uh, you go into the carnival and then they, you know, this guy kind of gets you with like, Oh, you want to be more popular. Right. And then, uh, you know, you kind of sell your soul and then you belong to the cabinet of souls. And so it's a very similar thing, but it doesn't have those heavy, heavy themes. And uh, so a kid could sit through it and enjoy it. And there's, you know, there's some songs, but yeah, no, I just don't get where they were coming from with some of these things. You know, what I think is interesting about this one too, is I think this is where it goes to, I think it was so ahead of its time to where, because I think it is as deep as it is, gives it its longevity. I think it's, to Definitely. me, this movie, I could watch this, you know, years from now and probably get a different view of it. And I'm not saying it's such a some masterpiece or anything like that, that, you know, like, oh, we should watch this every 10 years. But but because of how many just, I guess, how just um, depressing, <laughs> I guess, the movie yeah. is, is I think it makes it last longer than it should. I think if it was corny and cheesy and everything like that, I don't think it would have the longevity that does, I would say, today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the reason Disney is not owning this film is what makes it last, I guess. Yeah. Because yeah. they wrote they wrote it off and said, like, oh, this is not a feel-good. We, we missed here. Like, we thought there was going to be some Oliver Twist shit happening. It didn't. Uh, it just is oddly scary at moments and there's a severed head and other shits happening like can't do this um yeah, i'm but sure they disowned you it wonder where they where they thought that like wait a second this seems to be going off the rails you know <laughs> no pun intended but it's just like oh huh this looks a little darker than what you sold it as <laughs> i mean yeah the the title owns up to to the delivery yeah. of the film i think i think i had read that this is one of the first movies to ever use computer generated effects really yeah yeah, so Blu-ray is available now, DVD available now. Uh, Jamie and I watched it actually on YouTube. YouTube, um, yeah. The quality was shit. Yeah, quality was a little rough, but you can find it there. So, good pick though, man. Uh, let's head to our our next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Great pick on that, man. I'm, I'm, it's uh, rare that John and I can come across something that we never even heard of. So, not that we're any authority, but no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. but it's very rare. All right, Jamie, you want to introduce this one? Because this is a 
your your actual dad, I think, is one of the characters from this film. Yeah. Gary Busey. I wish my dad was Uncle Red, John. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so we're going to do 1985's uh, Silver Bullet. It began in May. And every month after that, whenever the moon was full, it happened again. And again. What was that? It's over there. Who that at me? Nobody knew who. Based on uh, the Stephen King novella, Cycle of the Werewolf. This one, and I and I know, I kind of, this was a tough one to say, is it a kid's story? But, um, you know, is this a child's book that, you know, became a horror movie? And so, yeah, so Silver Bullet, amazing movie. I love this one. This is, you know, pre-motorcycle um, wreck, Gary Busey. So yeah. he was more fun um, and kind of, you know, there. But, and you know, you have your Corey uh, Haim and you had that awesome thing. But the reason I said that this is a kid's book is, one, I read this when I was a, when I was a, a child. It's 127 pages. It has illustrations. Um, I believe Bernie Wrightson did the illustrations for it. And so every other page, I want to say, has art. And and it's it's very short and it's written in kind of that small town, you know, prose that, you know, narrative and everything. So I I think that to me, this is a young adult book. This falls into the fear streets in the sense of what it is, but it's very graphic at the same time. But I think it hides it. You know, everything that's surrounding it is a young adult book that, you know, is also very horrific. I never have read this. Have you, John? I've not. And I actually just read a Stephen King short story uh, from Night Shift on our Patreon. Um, but yeah, I've not read this. And I dig this pick. And I like your uh, defense of sort of how it fits the mold here. And rewatching it this week, sort of with that intent in mind, I feel like I was able to like cohesively extract a similar attitude to what you just described. Um, so I, I, I dig it, man. Um, highly recommend, highly recommend the book because it's such a fast read. It's 127 pages and it's broken up into each chapter is a cycle of the moon that culminates to the full wolf part, but it goes by, you could read it in just one setting. That's so quick. And the art yeah. is so good. Um, highly recommend. Absolutely. Look it out. You know, it's definitely worth it. And that's Cycle of the Werewolf. It's a novella. Yeah. Um, so that came out in 83, and then the movie came out in 85. Damn. Pretty uh, quick turnaround. turnaround. Yeah. yeah. Tight turn. And this is one of the better Stephen King adaptations, in my opinion. So I love the whole, uh, boy, that cried wolf concept. <laughs> I love that element of this film, right? Um, he, you know, the kid is clearly physically disabled and the one thing he has that's sharp in his mind is like, all right, I've got my mind. I'm a smart kid. You know, I'm confident I can do this sort of thing. And 
no one really believes him, but Uncle Red is there, right? So he doesn't believe him either, but he's there. He'll yeah. humor him at least. Yeah. Uncle Red will walk around the block with him uh, while he uh, scoots on his 7,000 mile per hour. Just uh, un- yeah. unnecessarily. <laughs> like, he should have a license plate on that fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, but I like that element. And I do think, um, from like a kid based perspective, like, this is any town America. Again, Alex, you mentioned how all your picks sort of are rooted in that whole, like, hey, this could be any town, any kid sort of grew up in uh which so, we always love we love those small town yeah. Tark, yeah. tarker's mills maine is this one yes maine uh, well this is, strikes me as a disney movie too i know it's not but the narration and just the the music and everything is sure. it, it, it kind of again it goes back to how the book is is it it is almost a a kid's movie as well you know, I know I watched it as as a kid, and man, was I jealous of that silver bullet or that uh, the little bike thing he had. I was like, "Damn, yeah. that'd be great to have." Yeah, it was a silver uh, bullet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was like, "This thing's amazing." But it, just how they they filmed it and how the the sister would you know narrate and do all that, it reminded me of a Disney movie as well. And I think it had a lot mixed in with the uh, you know the something wicked this way comes about how you know, the kids and everything. Now I'll tell you, this was less depressing than that movie. Certainly you know, big time, but this is um, not a, a feel good movie by any means, but no, it certainly I, is more so than I was than just that. thinking about the friend in the park. Oh, dude. God. God damn. Yeah. But Gary Busey, and I wanted him to be my uncle too, you That's know, not in like yeah. some cr- creepy way or anything, you know, but I was no, like, nothing wait, creepy so about this, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, Jamie's like, guy. my name's Jamie Busey. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Should see my smile. Like, it's all teeth over here. <laughs> well, I was like, this Pennywise. guy is a blast. I was like, that is a hell of an uncle. I mean, you get this badass uh, cart thing. He's giving you um he, he's giving you firecrackers, like, hey, here you go. You know, I'm like, yeah. that's that looks like a uh, you know, a lot of fun. This movie to me though, it and it didn't do very well either, I don't believe. Um it was a lot of fun. It, it just, uh, the, the werewolf design I thought was good. I mean, it was more one of those bear suit kind of things, but, and I don't think we have enough good werewolf movies out there, but I think this is one of them. You know, I thought the story just went quick. I love the kind of dream sequence that the, the pr- uh, priest was having. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that in this one is, it was a wholesome movie. I would say huge fan of this movie i'm a giant Corey Haim fan and a giant gary Busey fan so it's all marks <laughs> and we just did an episode our last episode actually was uh some of our favorite sidekicks in horror films and my pick was uncle red oh yeah, really yeah yep oh okay i mean if you want somebody yeah. to help you fight a werewolf whether he believes in them or not you know you want somebody who's willing to build a you want uncle red yeah <clears throat> well, when every scene he was in you know, brings a smile. No matter what he's doing, even at the end, I'm still, I'm still smiling. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I thought his, I thought his um, role in that movie was so damn good. Oh man, when he realizes too that that guy's an actual werewolf, his <laughs> yeah. reaction is fucking classic. Love it. Yeah, this, this is in my regular rotation of movies. Uh, Silver Bullet. That's one that I usually will. 
uh, every October I'll, I'll watch that one. Yeah, see, I do a, uh, because it takes place around Independence Day, I always watch it like in July, um, June, July, and then by October, it, it typically hits the back burner for me. Oh, interesting, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I can absolutely see it being an October film, 100%. All right, so we're going to move on to, what, the last one? Yes. What is it, John? Oh, man. I feel like we recently talked about this film as well. Um, but 2019's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, directed by Andre Overdahl, starring uh, Zoe Coletti, Michael Garza, and Gabriel Rush. For years, the people in this town told lies about me. They locked me away, called me a monster. They will get the monster they all deserve. Sarah Bellows' book. When the stories write themselves and it all comes alive. Who came up with all this sick stuff? And the, <clears throat> the book was written by Stephen Gamel? Gamel? Not sure how you pronounce. This is of this whole prompt, the most literal interpretation of the theme. Um, Definitely. This is one of the first ones that comes to your mind. 100%. And this and goosebumps, but that movie was shit. So I'm glad you didn't pick it. (laughs) (laughs) This movie's good. I just, I remember so distinctly like being a kid and going through the book fair or the library at school and taking these home and sitting on the bus and flipping through the pages and looking at the very disturbing just black ink image of uh, whatever represented that tale. And everyone, it was always like really wispy, you know? And uh, I just, I have so many, so, so many memories of um, so many of these stories and talking to friends and uh, just being young and consuming this uh, in different ways. So great fucking pick, man. Well, this is one that, has always stuck with me. This is one of my favorite, you know, book series anyways. Uh, and like you said, the book fair, you get the little <clears throat> scholastic piece of paper and everything. And I would always kind of go and figure out, okay, what are the scary stories on there? Yeah. Uh, scary. So dark, scariest stories you've ever heard all those. And I went back and kind of bought a lot of those just out of, I don't even know what it was when this movie came out, you know, I already owned the three. But I started buying all those offshoots that I used to own, um, you know, paperbacks and everything. But, yeah, uh, Stephen Gamble's art in this is killer. And I think that's the first thing everybody thinks of. Um, There's a couple, you know, stories I'm sure they remember. But the art is the first thing that jumps out, you know. So anytime somebody knows of the book, they know that just creepy-ass charcoal um, art. And I think they – when the movie came out – I was so excited because I was like, okay, the book still sticks with me. Um, That's one thing actually kind of going back. My daughter this October read the book Um, and I told her we're going to go watch the movie. And I took her to see the movie, which, you know, that one I don't regret. (laughs) You know, I got yelled at for it. But I think this one, it had its scary moments for a movie. And I think they did a killer job of matching the artwork um, with the physical effects or even this, you know, the, 
the some CG and everything in there. But this also is that same small town. Um, and I liked, I was very impressed with the movie. I have to say I was, it was seemed a little longer. It should have been, but at the same time, I was very impressed with this movie. It does feel a little bit long. Uh, but every time I watch it, I feel like I like it more. I love the, the setting of course. And this one takes place in the fictional, uh, Mill Valley PA in 1968. So there's a lot of tie-ins with Vietnam. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this movie is, this is like a October classic now, right, John? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And the, uh, that song at the beginning. Oh, the season, season of the witch. Of the witch. Oh, dude. When, when you look at this as a young adult, um, you've got the jock, you've got the outsider, you've got the nerdy girl, you've got the comic relief, you have every character, um, doing, their specific archetype and a great ensemble cast yeah. for sure. And it just makes everything so relatable, uh, specifically as a young adult or a, a child uh, or a 40 year old man. As a kid, you don't even realize that that's happening. You just gravitate toward, sure. toward one. It's like listening to a boy band where you're like, Oh yeah, the sporty guy. <laughs> okay. I like him. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Uh, John, you don't even know what's happening. It just, happens and talking to like nieces and nephews that are a little older than my kids. Um, I, I observe that and I see that and I'm like, Oh my God, that's just like a thing that happens. It's a, a, a honest reality and just like an honest byproduct of what happens to consuming media, uh, which is cool. And this, this movie owns that they do it super mainstream and a lot of times they do it right. And I think this, uh, this movie did it right, in my opinion. Well, and those kid actors are so damn personable. Like, yeah. every single one of them are entertaining. You know, so that threw me in right away. One small town. And it reminded me a lot of It. You know, the movie It. Because definitely, you know, obviously they're banding together and everything. But there was humor throughout it. Which, again, I'm not a huge horror comedy fan. But I like when there is levity much that like there would be in regular life. And it's not all just dreary all the time. So it, this one, I think, just hit all of those. The monster effects were great. It gave you that anthology, which I love a good horror anthology. It gave you oh, that yeah. anthology style. Um, and it couldn't have jumped back into adults now, now watching this after reading the books years ago. Because you're picking like, oh, I remember this story. Oh my gosh, I remember this, the uh, the blemish that's actually the spiders and so on and so forth. Um I was just really yeah. impressed with the the movie and what was great about it is this is the right way to take kid characters and make a kids movie but not dumb it down for kids. Cuz there's a lot of creepy stuff still in the movie, but at the same time it's it, it, you're entertained the whole way and you're attached to the kids. And then even when you get something creepy thrown out there though, it, it's just, you know, I don't know. I'm just kind of talking in circles because it was very impressive when I saw this movie. I just love the whole thing about it. Very tastefully done and, uh, you know, succinct. Yeah. That's a good uh, description of it all. My, my well, I would I... still cut 40 minutes from it though. It does seem <laughs> I to, Let me throw that asterisk out there. Shave off a good 30 minutes. I think a lot of the time is used up in the beginning, like that first 30 minutes. 
like they they spend too much time in the house, in my opinion. And they're trying to get you to care about the characters, I guess. That's yeah. what they're doing with that time. Sure. And it works because well, like you care about them, but yeah, does it require that? Time? Well, and I think that says a lot about the the kids themselves is because when early on, you know, it's it's almost like yes, we're already invested. You do not need to give us another 30 minutes of trying to invest yeah. in them because I thought uh, they were charismatic and well acted and everything to where I'm like, okay, I'm on board. So these are the kids I'm going to be following. Got it. I'm going to sure. move on and I'm on board with this. So you didn't need exactly. to drag that part out anymore, you know, but um, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. That house, uh, that part really could have been shaved down. But at the end of the day though, looking back it's still such a solid it hits all those notes it's the it's almost like in it's blasphemy to say but it's almost like this generation's monster squad you have your children they're set up they're fighting these monsters you know so on and so forth and that's kind of how this is too is set up in that same way definitely not as good as monster squad but at the same time there's that still kind of intro to kids to horror I think that this one covers all those bases. Do you guys have a favorite segment? Mine was the toe. I thought that was just gross in general. That's my you know, most cringy the, one for sure. Oh, God. Oh, and, it is quite cringy. Yeah, that was where I was like, okay, this is this is creepy. You know, this is actually has. And it's, it was really well done. And again, that's where it goes back to, did they dumb it down for kids? I don't think so, because that oh. was a very creepy segment. Dude, yeah. I mean, even my favorite one, and that's my most cringeworthy one. Uh, Harold is probably my favorite. And that one, with it being the first one, that's the one that kind of sets the tone. Like, okay, this is going to be enough for an adult to watch and dig. Yeah, yeah that that one was... <laughs> and that, that The effects on that were so good. Yeah, I, got, um, I, I feel like I have to go toe as well, Alex. I thought that one was just a lot of tension. That was very creepy. Yeah, yeah. The and gross. The makeup effect like, though on Harold yeah, was dude, so, so good, gross. though. I yeah. mean, in what they showed, uh, as you know, as as you know, Harold, he's becoming, and he's, and it it was pretty damn graphic for, um what i needed you know what i mean i, I knew it was going to be like a hard r kind of graphic uh violence or anything like that but they didn't really shy away from it i thought that was very impressive how they pulled that one off too yeah definitely for sure all right alex this was great man thank you so much for joining us we uh we love this this theme i think we settled on some great picks here and had some great discussion so thank you man like this was amazing so much fun no, it's been a blast. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, big fan, and I appreciate you letting me uh, on the show. Have a Merry Christmas with the kids. Hopefully you guys watch uh, Black Christmas with the six-year-olds uh, this year. It'll be good. They'll like that. Krampus is definitely on the list. <laughs> oh, dude. There you go. Thank you, man. Uh, we had a blast, and uh, we'll have you back on for sure in, in future. Perfect. No, it was a blast. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Take care, man.